It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Matt Hausman here. Everybody out there in podcast land. It's that time again. Smart money questions. And boy, do we have a couple for you today. I do have to start with something that uh, for all my Eagle fans out here, let me actually start by something I think is is pretty cool. So earlier at the end of January, our youngest, some of you might have uh, either met her or heard her. She's now working for us. If you didn't get the newsletter, she's working with us part-time, about two and a half days a week. And uh, she just turned 21 at the end of January, and we took the whole family down to Key West to celebrate that. Some other family members met with us there. One thing I still find so interesting is that we're down there, and it is the NFL Conference Championship Sunday. So the Eagles played first against the Niners here in Philadelphia. We are down in Key West. We got our Eagles gear on. We'd actually just came from a brunch cruise on a a 75-foot catamaran. If you've never been down to the Keys, it is a unique experience. The water is uh, unbelievable, which is what we got to see while we were on the catamaran. And I was actually talking um, with the captain, and the boat actually could have I think it was 60 or 65 people on it. I mean, it was big. I think it had a 36-foot beam. And so it rode really nice. Uh, It was a little windy. I don't know, maybe 12 to 15-mile-an-hour winds. But it just, like, sailed through the water. But this particular group, they would never have more than 25 uh, people on. That did not include the crew. The crew was three. So at the most, you're talking about 28, so half. So there was plenty of room to walk around on the sides, walk up to the front. They had a, a big place in the back, of course, where where they had all the food and everything was just awesome. So we got done with that. I don't know. We probably got off the boat around 1.30. The game started at 3, and so we are making our way down to Duval Street. If you've never been to Key West, Duval is like the main drag. We're looking for this one particular sports bar that we wanted to get to, get there early enough so we could all sit at one table. And sure enough, we made it there. On the way there, I have to tell you this. Eagles fans, you represent. I couldn't tell you how many times we had high five, go birds, go eagles, all of that stuff. And obviously, it only got better because the Eagles won. And then, of course, the Chiefs won later that night. And so now we have the Super Bowl coming up, Eagles versus Chiefs. And I just saw this this morning was a whole rundown on how evenly matched and in some cases eerie the stats are for both of these teams. For instance, both of them had a record of 16-3. and three. Both of them scored the same amount of points, 546. Both of them ended up as the number one seed in their conference. Both of them during the playoffs averaged 4.6 yards a carry and Each defense had four takeaways, and both teams have six All-Pros. I read an article earlier also that said that is why currently right now Vegas has it. The Chiefs are actually one-and-a-half-point favorites with an over-under 
of 50, which is pretty phenomenal when you consider the fact. I know the Chiefs have got a phenomenal offense, but Eagles are bringing the house when it comes to defense. So, so we'll already know by the time this is posted who won. But one thing I was asking Maggie is like, hey, honey, listen, I'm pretty superstitious when it comes to sports things. So I requested that we go and sit at the same restaurant in the same booth, which means we got to get there early at P.J. Willihan's there in Westchester, just like we did when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl before and beat the Patriots. So uh, for all you Eagle fans out there and Chiefs fan, i got a real good buddy who's actually from Kansas, so we've been kind of jawing back and forth. It should be, should be a good time. But here we are. 2023 is here. I can't believe NFL season is almost over, which is going to take us now you know, through the uh, end of winter into the beginning of spring. You guys know I'm a big sports fan, so we're also going to be having college basketball coming up. March Madness is around the corner. Looking forward to that. So, but what I wanted to talk about today, you guys know I love to use this as a way to talk about the things that happen in our office, the scenarios, the questions that we get from clients and other people that are calling us or even reaching out to us through the podcast and be able to talk about or talk through the things that we are discussing with the clients and the people that have those those questions. So before I do that, let's make sure we deal with a disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low-key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right, so what uh, are the things that invariably happens every single time a client is transitioning into retirement? The questions come up, what am I supposed to do about taxes now? And by the way, when I talk about retirement, I'm talking about a significant decrease in our earned income. So many times we've had clients that when they, they'll go into like semi-retirement, so the, the W-2 income or the, the contracting work could still be pretty significant. So maybe we're not tapping into other investments, retirement accounts, what have you. But what I'm talking about here is, okay, let's say that I'm no longer going to work. Now I'm looking at retirement income sources, pension, social security, IRA distributions, what have you. What am I supposed to be doing about taxes. And one of the things that I always talk to clients about, first of all, you want to realize it's probably going to take, there's a paradigm shift that happens when we go through or what we've seen when clients go through that transition. And one of them is the aspect of when I'm, you know, I've been used to getting a check every other week. Now my sources of income are usually going to be distributed once a month. Social security comes once a month. The pension comes once a month. IRA, 401k distributions once a month, what have you. So we're going to have to get used to that. But the other thing is going to be taxes. So we always look at 
when are we looking to retire? Am I going to retire, let's say, in, you know, at the end of January? I met with someone earlier. That was their date. Well, now we, that's really, I mean, that's pretty easy from a planning standpoint on what it's going to look like for the rest of the year. But let's say I'm going to retire at the end of June. So I've had a whole half a year of W-2 income. And then what am I going to do for the balance of my year? Am I actually going to turn on Social Security? You know, does that make sense? Or am I going to just take, let's say I have other investment income. Let's say I have cash on the side. Or I'm going to take IRA distributions. That is where it's so important to make sure that you are talking with a professional that can do tax calculations for you. So when you're filing your taxes next year, you don't want to be in a situation, first of all, where you owe a ton of money because you didn't pay enough in during that year. But you definitely don't want to be in the situation where you're getting a huge refund. Many times what that means is I was disrupting my cash flow. For instance, I'm going to take Social Security. I'm going to have a ton of money taken out that I didn't have to have taken out, right? So making sure that you're talking with a professional that can you know, estimate what that's going to be, figure out how much should I be taking. And one of the things that I always want to advise clients on when you move into that, you have that transition, the idea now when you're filing your taxes is I either want to owe four or 500 bucks or I want to get two or three, $400 back. That's it. Especially if the mo- where most of the money we are taking from is taxable income, which is going to be pensions, potentially 85% of my social security is going to be taxable. And of course, pre-tax IRA withdrawals. The other thing that we've talked to clients about, especially in that year that they have, especially if it is later in the year, and we are going to bridge the gap to the following tax year where we're taking, let's say, IRA distributions, is if I've got cash sitting on the side, let's only take out what we need to pay the bills out of the IRAs, and let's make quarterly payments. Because we've had to coach clients through the process especially if it's later in the year and they're high income earners. If I am flipping on to Medicare and I'm going to go ahead and gross my my IRA distributions up, what does that mean? That means let's say I'm going to take $10,000 as the gross amount, have 20% withheld to get $8,000 in my pocket. All of that 10,000 goes into that Medicare calculation. So, if I got cash sitting on the side, let's only take 8,000 We've had clients be within $1,000 to $1,500 below that Medicare line, which is so important because I don't want to get stung and because it's a cliff. If I go $1 over on that tax return and I'm over the Medicare means testing, that means that I'm going to end up paying more for Medicare because of the income in that year. So it's so important to be looking at what time of year am I going to be retiring, how much is that income. You really want to look at this if you are retiring, let's say in the third quarter of the year, and then you're going to have a big payout, maybe for PTO time or vacation time, what have you. And that's all going to run through payroll. That's really important to look at too. You got to you got to factor factor that in because that runs through payroll, you're probably going to get walloped on taxes. So then you're going to have to bridge the gap from somewhere, right? The other thing I always talk to clients about, I, I had this happen with a, a new a new client new clients that came on last year, was the understanding of the idea of giving up a high paying job. And now 
I'm going to end up being retiring. How in the world, I'm just going to make a number of, how can I go from making $175,000 a year and now I'm going to retire on 90? And one of the things that we, I have to show people is there's a difference in taxation from your earned income, which is subject to just about every tax you can imagine, especially payroll taxes, In the state of PA, we have local townships that charge an earned income tax. Obviously, in PA, we have a flat state tax. It's subject to that. All of a sudden now, when I'm in retirement, I don't have to worry if my income in PA is retirement income, pension income, pre-tax IRA withdrawals, Social Security. None of that gets taxed. None of it's subject to payroll taxes. None of it's subject to the earned income tax in that local township. All of a sudden now they realize, well, wait a second, I actually wasn't bringing home that 175 Gs. I might have only been bringing home, let's say, 100. Let's say, especially if they were contributing, maxing out their 401k contribution. They were only bringing home 90, 95,000. Well, now uh, that makes the transition easy. And that's what I showed uh, these new clients was, hey, listen, you can pull the trigger. Let's do it. He didn't want to be there anymore. He was having a long commute, you know, there and back. And I was like, hey, you don't got to do it. Look, this is what we can do. You are no worse off. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even make sense for you to keep working, considering what you're going to have, the options within your pensions, with, uh, with Social Security, and with your other investments. So again, when you're making that transition, it's so important to be doing estimates, be talking with an advisor, your tax advisor, your financial advisor, what have you, going through and looking at how can I make sure that first year you know, now the easiest thing to do is retire on 1231. But if that's not the case, which I remember we had some clients that got an, uh, a buyout opportunity where they left at the end of May, they had a huge buyout that um, it was a severance package, but it was a lump sum, got dumped in June. And so then all of a sudden now, hey, listen, and most of the time, just to let you know, HR is not going to let allow you to adjust your withholdings for that last paycheck. So you do kind of really get hammered from a tax perspective, but then, okay, well, let's use what they've already withheld to take money out of an IRA and have no taxes withheld. So there's different strategies that you can put into play, but it's so important to be doing that. For instance, especially if you're under, under your full retirement age, don't just walk into social security if you if, if that situation happened and all of a sudden now you know you're over that twenty some thousand dollar threshold and you just elected a a discounted Social Security benefit that they're just going to withhold the benefit from you right so those are the things you want to be looking at so we get that that all the time the other thing this just recently happened and uh, just within the last I don't know probably three or four weeks talking with some clients and the idea is hey listen and this happens a lot with companies where the bonus that I receive for last year, so in this case, let's look at 2022, I don't get my bonus until either the end of March or the end of April. In this case, I believe it was mid-May. And the bonus is substantial. We're not talking about a $500 bonus or a free turkey that you're going to get. We're talking about serious cash. But the question was, hey, listen, I'm already into May you know, I don't want to now, I'm almost halfway through the year, I might as well wait to the following year to get that next bonus. And then it becomes a vicious cycle because that's when they are given the bonus, you know, a la the term, the golden handcuffs. 
And one of the things that I went through with these clients is, hey, listen, let's look at how much. I'm not saying the bonus is not a good bonus. It was. It was serious cake. But in the overall scheme of things, let's look at how much stress is this job really giving you? In this case, it and not only was it stress, you're you know dealing with some new management that things weren't like they were before. Okay, so that's one thing. We also did have the stress factor, but the other thing I explained to them was in the overall scheme of things, even though this bonus is a hefty bonus, it still has to go through payroll and get hit with payroll taxes. Plus, in your overall scheme, it doesn't move the needle. Now, if it moves the needle, that's a different thing. If it's a catch-up situation, well, maybe now you really got to think about that. But in this case, it didn't make that, right? So looking at that and looking at your whole situation for if you're in the situation where you are getting those bonuses for the year prior, we've got numerous clients that have this, whether it's different stock options that are offered, whether it's the profit sharing that goes into the 401k, what have you. Many clients fall into that is you have to look at the overall, your your overall financial picture and how long do I really need to hang around for this bonus. So uh, again, that you want to be looking at everything, um, especially if that, if the bonus is substantial, right? But um, how bad is the job? You know, you guys have heard me uh, talk a lot about this, and that is we want to plan for the future, but we still want to live for today. I think that's really, really important. The other thing was, I get this question all the time, and it's really been apparent uh, or been prevalent within the last probably 60 days, 60 to 70 days. And I think some of that has to do with with clients. We were doing some Roth conversion strategies at the end of the year, and now you know, clients that are 58, 59, 60, 61 years old that, that, you know, they're still looking at retirement as five, six, maybe seven years away, maybe, maybe longer, maybe shorter. But the question is, hey, listen, should I be looking at my Roth conversions now if I'm still working? And I always think that we should be doing or you should be looking at the idea of what Roth conversion opportunity is available at the end of every tax year? So you, this is something that should be reviewed in you know November and December. But usually our advice is for clients that are still working, especially if you're making a good buck, because the taxation, especially if both, if, if it's a married couple, both are still working and making good money, usually it's not going to make a lot of sense to do that, even with where the tax code is today. Usually those opportunities are going to be after the, the, the big income is no longer on the tax return. So why don't we look at, and if we're five or six years away and we've realized now that the vast majority of all of our assets are in that pre-tax tax classification, let's make sure that can we take advantage of the Roth 401k option at work? I will let you know, the last podcast I did, I kind of went over the different aspects of what happened at the very end of the year, that bill that was signed on 1229. They put in there the Secure Act 2.0. The Secure Act 2.0, essentially, by the end of this year, 
is all 401Ks, 403Bs, 457s, qualified retirement accounts are going to have that Roth 401K option. Why? Well, first of all, beginning next year in 24, is that if you're a high earner, your catch-up has to go Roth. Why is that? Because they want the tax revenue now, right? Because if I'm contributing to a Roth, that's after-tax money. The other thing is you're going to have the option. I don't believe this actually starts until 25. You're going to have the option of having the match go into the Roth side of your 401k or 403b. That's, uh, you know, the IRS hasn't, quote, given us their opinion on how that is going to be taxed. But so eventually, all of these qualified retirement account plans are going to end up having that Roth option. Find out if yours has it right now. I believe that the stat I saw the other day was like 70, 75% of all uh, 401k, 403bs now have a Roth option. Make sure that if you have that, Instead of doing conversions for the next five or six years, how about just contributing to the Roth? And I would tell you to max out as much as you can afford to do that. Now, with that said, keep in mind if you do that, that you want to make sure, and this is where you want to talk with a tax advisor again or your financial advisor, you want to make sure now your taxable income is going to increase. Why? Because Roth 401k contributions are an after-tax contribution. So your tax, your taxable income is going to increase and you want to make sure that your withholdings are going to make sure to take care of whatever that increase is in the tax cost for that year. But that is usually what we're advising clients to do that are still working four, five, six years and they're wanting to build up that Roth bucket is that they do that. Now, I, I always want to tell you what Maggie and I are doing. So what we do here, and I've been doing this now for quite a while, is uh, we put 75% of our 401k contributions into the Roth side. 25% goes into the pre-tax. And then, of course, the match and the profit sharing goes into the pre-tax. The goal, obviously, is by the time we get to retirement, Within both accounts, it's a 50-50 blend. Of course, we I, we also have outside after-tax investments. But from a uh, retirement plan standpoint, that's what we're doing. The goal is by the time we get to retirement, we are tax diversified so we can decide where we're going to take it from to be most efficient and pay the least amount of taxes that are required based on those distributions. So again, those are the things I would consider... Again, it's come up a lot recently with, uh, you know, especially at the end of the year, looking at Roth conversion opportunities. I would still probably look at if if you can afford it. Look at, I call it fill the gap. So go up to the next tax bracket. You know, does that make sense? Keep in mind, conversions when they happen are a taxable event. So that's why you want to be doing it at the end of the year. You can't do it. If you do it now, it's going to be for the 2023 tax year, not the 22 tax year. So again, that's why looking at that at the end of the year is really important. So listen, everyone, that's all I've got for today. I always hope this has been valuable time for you, valuable information for you. If you have a question or scenario that you want us to address, as you know, you can reach out to us, smartmoneyquestions.com. There's a place right there, ask my question. Shoot us an email, info at smartmoneyquestions. If you'd rather have a more personal conversation. My online calendar is speakwithmat.com. Again, speakwithmat.com. Listen, everybody, take care. Go birds. We'll talk to you soon. All right, everyone. See you.